Hello and welcome to Review, the show where we get to chat to fascinating people from the motoring universe and learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and on this episode I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Bayliss, who is the co-founder of Spinal Track and a rally instructor. Welcome to Review, Andrew. I'd like to start off by asking, why did you become a rally instructor? I've always actually liked teaching people things, whether it was when I was young, I used to teach people how to ride bikes and do skids and mess about on bikes and I, it, it just became obvious that I, I you know, I like, I like driving and I like doing my rallies and, and and so teaching other people was the obvious choice when I was an adult but it took a while to realize this so I did I did 10 years as a surveyor <laughs> and then sort of that was enough time for me to sort of go yeah you know what I've, I, I don't really enjoy this anymore but I've done 10 years of it just to sort of prove that I, <laughs> just to I, be sure I've done enough of it yeah exactly um so then I I, I quit my job doing that and um, became an instructor instead which is much more fun Excellent. Well, we'll dive more into that in a bit. Uh, I'm going to start off like I normally do, which is going back into the mists of time and finding out if you know when you first got interested in motoring cars, racing, all that sort of stuff. Well, it, it's my, my dad's been a rally driver and, uh, for 50 years, mm -hmm. so it, it, I've had no option. Um, it was <laughs> I've been surrounded by it. Uh, you could have rebelled. <laughs> well, yeah, I could, but... You know, there's 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 my dad, my brother, and, and my mum. So there's three boys and 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 one female. It, it kind of it, the balance outweighs a bit. So it was always everything was always car based. I used to work at weekends marshalling for my dad in different championships and bits and pieces and doing all sorts. And just every weekend was either corporate days. We used to run corporate days with Honda Pilots and all sorts of stuff. And and in, in the gaps in between, I would just go round and round and round all the time. So by the time I was about 10, I'd, I'd probably driven more than most people. And most of it was sideways. So I just, that's how I kind of learned how to do it, I suppose. It's half genetic and half half just spending weekends being being a, a terrible child. <laughs> uh, so through school and stuff like that, I mean, you, you said there that you became a surveyor. So did it yeah. not uh, occur to perhaps pursue a motoring-related career or was did you just not think it was an option or well I always did but it's that always thing of listening to your parents and then saying look if you really like something leave it for the weekend have a good job to pay for it and then you know have it as a hobby at the weekend don't mm. turn it into your job you won't like it sensible kept saying, sensible advice well, yeah it's, it's the it's the typical parental advice but it's one of those things where I was like but, but you don't understand I, I like it more than that it's not just something i like you know it, it, it's everything it really is everything and i really really enjoy it and i'm like no 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 don't you know just get a sensible job you know get a good job and and just pay for it in the weekends and i was like oh okay and that was the 10 years of misery so yeah <laughs> what's what surveying was it by the way it, uh, i used to be uh i used to manage commercial properties so okay i used to manage quite a lot like value wise it's huge but um all over all over the uk just you know, industrial estates, big shops. I used to manage a lot of the high street stores, lots and lots of bits and pieces. But it was always, uh, it's always bad news mm. because when things go right, you don't get a phone call. But when things go wrong, people phone you up and go, oh, this, this has gone wrong. I need a fixing. And then it either gets fixed or it's it's not fixed quick enough. So it was always, it, it, it sort of beat me down a bit in the end because it was just always bad. Well, it's it's hardly the most, uh, not, the, not the career, but when you're only ever getting bad news, yeah. That doesn't really make you leap out of bed in the morning. 
No, it doesn't. No, I mean, I, I was I, I was always doing bits of competition occasionally, but I wasn't doing enough. And I knew when I wasn't doing enough because I'd always be a bit more miserable. So it, it was always a case of, yeah, you know, I, I, I sort of tried it and I, I worked in different places and did slightly different jobs. And it was just never it was never exciting. Mm. And I, I, I kind of needed more excitement and, and obviously happiness and all that sort of stuff. You've got to be happy in what you're doing. So. Yeah, I felt the 10 years was enough to almost say to my parents that, you know, like, no, you know, I tried it, I tried it, you know, I did the degree, I did everything and uh, I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't like it enough to actually completely change my life, but it's the best thing I've ever done, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to match excitement if the weekend you're going looking through the side windows rather than the front windows traveling <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not the same thing. And no, no one understands when you get to the office on a Monday. Yeah. Like, oh, how was it? You're like, well, yeah, it was, it was good, but... <laughs> yeah exactly if you've got no one to talk to about it either no <laughs> okay so were you competing while going through school or what time or what age did you start competing in motorsport so yeah I think I think my first race I was 16 mm-hmm. it was sort of off-road buggies but racing on sort of a supermoto track so half tarmac half it's a bit like rallycross okay. but we've got okay. sort of a, a rear engined buggy with uh what was it 600 and something cc uh two stroke in it with about 110 115 horsepower and it didn't weigh very much i was gonna say was there much wheeling going on no not a lot of wheeling but um they had a fixed rear axle so the only way to go around the corners was to slide oh okay yeah if you didn't if you didn't lock the rears or get it get it sliding you just go straight on <laughs> so a bit interesting then for you yeah, it was because I hadn't done, I, I hadn't really done any karting at all because I was always a bit too tall and a bit too heavy. So I never really did that. And because my dad was competing, he was kind of, he was looking after himself in a way. He was, he was still doing it. So, and so I, I did bits and pieces at the weekends, um, but never really took it hugely seriously. I mean, it was, it was like, it was a British championship, but it doesn't really, I, I don't really see it as one, to be honest, because it's not like there are any others. So at that point, you know, we, we were the only ones doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think we pretty much, I think it was sixteen. Did you need a racing license to do that? No, it was uh, Whisper. It was non MSA. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't um, know they existed. But it was actually. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, they 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 don't. But uh, it was actually run a lot of it because it was also bike racing as well. It was run under the what was it? You, uh, I can't remember which one it is, but under one of the bike the bike races were were legitimate. Okay. But but because we were four wheels, they didn't really see us as, as the same thing. And you can't run that sort of thing on a budget under the MSA, to be honest. So okay. it just never was. So how long were you doing that for? Uh, and what did you move on to next? On and off. Well, I, I did that until about 2007 because we, we had a couple of them. So sort of my dad would be racing and I'd be racing or my brother would be racing. or We just kind of move them around a bit and um, make sure that, you know, at least a few of us are, are racing at, at the same time. I think I stopped in 2000 and I think at the end of 2007, just mainly because I sort of moved away from where I was living. I'd been living at home or I'd been living close to home. And then after that, I moved, I moved further away and it just wasn't a viable option anymore. And I think my, the, the other one got sold. So we only had one and then dad obviously carried on doing that for a little bit. And then he sold it and went rallying back, went back rallying. Mm. So we then didn't have any more. So I had a bit of a quiet gap after that of a, of a while where I did some, I did endurance karting, so I do 24-hour races and, and things like that. Oh, that seems a bit brutal. It, yeah, it, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of two hours at a time. So, yeah. 
you, you learn how to relax quite quickly. I was say, um, aching arms and shoulders. Yeah, it, it comes, you know, you, I think the most is sort of vaguely, I think I've done around 10 hours or something like that in a 24 hour period, which is quite, mm-hmm. it is it is quite hard work, but you, you, you learn to absolutely minimise your movement. So, you know, you know, you don't fight it at all. You just, mm. you hardly steer. And, and I mean, the main thing was ribs. I would always break my ribs because I'm taller than most. And the way most people sit is the, the cart seat goes under their arms yeah. and they're protected. Yeah. They've got the whole length of the ribs. Well, I, my, I first floating ribs and a few others and then I'm sticking out the top so I when I'm going around all the corners or I hit a bump when it's fully loaded I generally broke a rib so there were a couple of seasons where I did did whole seasons with broken ribs non-stop on both sides (laughs) I just didn't have a gap big enough for them to fix and then don't make me yeah. laugh. Don't make me laugh. It it was a bit like that. Yeah, I just you know I didn't I didn't I didn't. It wasn't a lot of fun. No hacking coughs or anything like that either. If anyone no, was able exactly. to get away from me. Yeah, it was it was a bit like that. It was it was fairly savage, but it was they're great fun and they're really good for team building and w- whether you're doing a with like the first time I think I did it, I, it was with people I'd never met before. Okay, it was just an advert, advert on Pissonhead saying, "Well, can I? You know, does anyone want to do it?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that." And then from there, it kind of spiraled when I was doing, I don't know, three or four a year and doing other bits of karting as well. So because I found that they did sort of heavyweight championships so you could kind of compete rather than competing against people who weigh sort of 50 kilos. And I was weighing sort of 85, 90 or a mm. bit more. You could actually compete and win, which was quite good because that was quite rare. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. You've done, you do the karting for a while. Yeah. Do you then move into rally instructing or did you do some no i did i did some rallying first so okay um i i sort of started i because because my dad was doing the same things it made sense to to do the same events yeah and whilst he he was a previous btrda gold star champion in like 77 so it's kind of like a a national championship where he would travel all over the place and you know do multi multi-venue events and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing he, that that's that's quite hard work and it's expensive because we're from lincolnshire and most of the stuff is in wales or scotland or and it's a lot of traveling and it yeah you, you picked a sport that's days. close to home <laughs> yeah, well yeah what, well what we what we end up doing is we end, like a lot of single venue events are in lincolnshire because uh, of the amount of airfields yeah the old world war two airfields so I mean, my actual first rally was at Cadwell Park in a 205. Mm-hmm. So I knew Cadwell Park because I used to live just down the road. So I've, I've been around there a thousand times. So it was the perfect place where I felt comfortable to, to go and, and, and really give it some on the first attempt. <laughs> and it, and it, was, it was great. And, and from then on, I was like, why, why have I not been doing this for you know, 10, 15 years? <laughs> Quickly moved on. It, it was quite strange. Um, I, I, I was doing circuit events and sort of airfield events and all sorts of bits and pieces and and some are just 100% tarmac, some are a real mix. And for the, I think for the first four rallies, I had four different cars with four different co-drivers in four different places. So you were making it easy for yourself? Y- yes. I, you know, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, everything, <laughs> bit of all sorts. <laughs> uh, and just, I just really liked it, and I, and I really wanted to step up quickly. I, didn't, you know, I mean, really, people should take a while to, to get used to it, but I'd, I'd done enough of other things to sort of just really get on with it and i wanted to move enough sliding yeah i, I tried four-wheel drive and i thought that'd be great but it, it wasn't really it was a bit boring why was that is it just because it was too in control this is yeah, a relative I, I, term I was, by the way yeah, I, yeah I, was, I was brought up going you know doing slides and things and, and you could do slides but 
they were much higher speed and you couldn't you couldn't get out of corners and go sideways which is what i you know that's what i wanted to do so quite quite quickly moved my the first rear wheel drive car was a, a e36 compact with an m3 engine in it okay I, that sounds quite rapid yeah it was it was quite good i think yeah so and amazingly first... not used to do um uh drifting well <laughs> yeah i mean that it, it ended up being like that because we we bought the car and it had it came with sets of tires but the the tires i think had, had seen better decades and they <laughs> they've been sat around for a long long time and but i didn't know any difference so you know we put them on and did this it was a rally at blighton and i just thought it was hilarious because it had no grip at all and you could just you know fourth gear it would it would just go sideways so it was it was my idea of perfection and i think i think we came seventh and i think we i think either we won the class or came second in class and it was like oh okay so first we were a drive this this works this works all right i think i'll stick with this one mm. and yeah kept, kept that car and and it, it had a new engine because they're i mean they're all i don't know what they are now 20 years old or something like that so they're 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 all a bit tired yeah but you never know when they're going to go and and it went to brands hatch oh no it didn't go to brands hatch did it? it went oh no it did it went to brands hatch did a rally at brands hatch and yeah the 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 bottom end went so i had to swap swap to a new engine but trying to find a three liter m3 engine is is quite hard work nowadays and very expensive yeah yeah because they're just you know it's what it goes from being they're everywhere to suddenly there are none yeah so yeah trying to find one of those was quite hard work and then had to rebuild it because you never know what what the score is so yeah so but always kept everything stock so never had mega power just left everything standard the car was all the parts in the car were from bmws okay to keep the cost down and also we didn't have to worry about weight so much because we've got a bigger engine you have to weigh more yeah so and 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 generally things that are built for the road last and they're built to take abuse mm. a lot of the problems with the, the ford escorts is they're built down to a, a weight of something like 800 880 kilos so everything's super lightweight and custom and it breaks because it bends all the time and it's you know it's made super light yeah. so we had we had reliability on our side to some extent but we were a big heavy beast by keeping it stock though did that change the class you were in or did no. was it nothing to do with that this the the only classes are engine sizes oh, okay it. right so you're not allowed for sort of modern engines you're not allowed anything over three liters so i was in the sort of uh, the over two liter class which puts me against the the two and a half liter millington escorts okay. with somewhere between 300 and 380 i think the top top whack engines are but they're thirty five thousand for an engine and oh. You know, the, our car costs seven thousand quid. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and then you bend yeah. something on it. <laughs> I know exactly. So I, you know, I I wasn't too fussy about the car. I mean, I didn't I didn't really ever damage it too much. But it, you know, if I did a wing or something, who, who cares? But yeah. those things, it's expensive. So I was a bit more carefree. I must admit. Had you settled but, on a co-driver at this time? Um, it, well, I I still had quite a few. I did I did settle down with one. Yeah, Chris. And we did we did a couple of years sort of t- together. Not not every event, but but most events, and and that helped. I you know generally keeping things the same does help. So yeah. that that definitely helps. And his his career's gone really really well. So he's now in the MSA Academy for co-drivers, and oh, okay. I'm happy to have helped him get there. To be honest, that's really good. So yeah, he's done really well. So that's that's good news. I would imagine that uh, developing an understanding between the two of you is a real big plus because Chris would get to know how you needed to be told the information and what, um, what sort of information 
Yes. And you'd understand what he was telling you and what that meant to you as the driver. Yeah. On on these events, you don't get notes. You just get a map. Oh, okay. So you... <laughs> no rather no than, pressure, lads. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, that's the thing. So on, on, the, on the sort of the forest stuff, you get videos of it beforehand and you write your own notes and you can wreck you the stages. But this, it's you just get a map which shows you where, where you know, the, the route. And um, that's it. So you kind of have to go from, if you know the place, it's quite helpful. Hmm. If you've been before, obviously, it's really helpful. But if you're new to it, it's that's where the skill is, is, is working out. Because you, you can't really technically write notes. You can scribble bits and pieces, but you can't write actual pace notes or anything so like that. So you can't do it like the WRC. You see them, they're flipping over the, the, the pages no. and shouting out. No. The, or, you have one page with a map. So, so Chris then is having to look ahead sufficiently far and down and ahead and down if you know if uh, this is without yes. knowing the place uh, yes so crikey, beforehand we'll we'll go through it patting your head and rubbing your tummy isn't it? it 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 is a little bit but generally i mean you get you get the maps as you sign on so sometimes i mean they, uh, most clubs are getting better and better at like providing these earlier mm. but they like to hold them back a little bit and often you get them in the morning of the rally so you've got to kind of go back to your camper quickly and then go through them with a pen and just work out the bits that between you you think will be the danger spots fingers crossed <laughs> it, yeah and it's things like chicane so some chicanes are just two like a two bar chicane so you, you you can carry loads and loads of speed in because you don't have to worry about the exit yeah but others are, are three so if you've got three then you have to slow down enough to make the, the second corner mm. if that makes sense so it, it's really vital i mean the speed difference there could be 20 30 40 50 miles an hour it's quite important to get that right then yeah if you go into a corner 50 miles an hour too quickly then that's it's not going to end particularly well. So, yeah, it's really, really important to to, to get it right. I mean, obviously, as, as, a, as a driver, you're looking as far ahead as possible anyway. And the notes are just, I didn't use them all the time. So it, even though Chris is telling me where I'm going, I can sort of see, and that's okay, because most of it's visible. The important bits are the bits you can't see. So if it's like round a sharp corner or something like that, if there's something else Yeah, there. like a quick straight into a sharp corner, or an open corner that then has a chicane round hidden around the back of it. Mm. So again, it's just a case of if you're piling in, you can't stop. Compared to someone driving on the road, how much further ahead are you ideally looking? Well, you're looking as far as you can possibly see. So, so as, as as much of the road as is visible, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. So like on some of the airfield stages, you've got you can actually because they're obviously generally quite flat. Mm. You, you you're looking ahead and looking round and and whilst you're going down straights or just e- easy corners you're looking around at other bits and trying to write notes in your head as to what that might be and how much speed you can carry because it's often too late by getting there so <laughs> you, you've got to look almost you know sometimes you're looking past bits that you're coming up to in a minute's time and go right okay so what, how big is that you know how how wide is that chicane is it is it going to am i going to hit both mirrors or is it have they been generous and can mm. we fly through it so there is an awful lot going on but the more you do, the more you get used to it and the more information you can process. And I'll be then, I'll be talking as much as Chris would be, weirdly, because I'm getting him to add notes or or just to clarify things. I, I don't know why I like to say it out loud. So I, I would just talk to myself a bit as well. Okay. Not things like, oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no. He, he eject, was... eject or anything like that. No, we never, we never really had any, um, we only ever had one sort of, proper spin when the rear the uh, the rear brake disc snapped oh. which then when i put the brakes on it just just flung us around and we hit a little bank and 
you know, there wasn't much, there was, well, there wasn't really any damage apart from the, the brakes, but um, apart from that, we, we'd never really had any offs or anything. So it, it was for him to kind of push me on a bit or to slow me down a bit. That I think that's the main the main thing of a co-driver really is to... Is so he was managing the driver? Yeah, just, just to, to get you to be a bit sensible or if there's been an issue to calm me down a bit, you know, whether it's a, a car that's got in the way, wouldn't let you through in time or, you know, just if because you're always losing time, you're fighting. It, it's weird, it's not racing where you can see where you've lost time against your drivers because the other drivers yeah. start to pull away. It's everything's against the clock, but you are against everybody else as well. So you, you just, I absolutely hate losing time uh anywhere and you know if i make if i make a small mistake i'd be really annoyed with it and i'll write it in the, you know i'll get chris to write it in the notes that i'll use third instead of fourth or whatever it might be yeah so how many on on these on these uh these events do you go around the same route a couple of times is it is that, is that how yeah it works? only twice okay yeah you're only allowed to use the same bit of track twice in the same way so yeah you you generally get two goes at it at each stage so but a, a lot of people my my skill was to go quickly the first time, which is great, but everyone then goes quicker the second time. <laughs> so, so my curse them my for catching you stages, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my, I was much better first out, so my first stage would be quicker relatively than the second because I won't improve that much on the second stage. Whereas most people go out and are a bit cautious on the first one and then improve a lot on the second one. My 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 kind of my skill was to really go out there and just push straight away and 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 just go for it so you were fairly consistent time-wise then yeah yeah there weren't that many huge differences between stages mm, okay no. so it always looked on the first stage that like i was going to do quite well and then it kind of second stage i was like right now i know where i really am once everyone else has got used to it so yeah but uh, yeah it was good fun uh, and uh, i presume you needed a license for that yeah that's a a, a normal rally license excuse my ignorance here um, or even more ignorance than normal. But what's involved in getting a rally license? So it's actually it's, it's relatively simple. You you go on the MSA website and there's a Go Rallying pack which you buy for I can't remember how much it is, seventy quid or eighty quid or something like that. And that then has the documents and the the things you need to pass your test. So it'll have out your your exam form in there and CDs, which help you pass the written test. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if the blue book's involved anymore. Whether that's just all online, but it has all of that for, for your first time and you then book a bars test at a rally school so you choose a rally school of you know whether it's local or whether it's based on the best people i, I don't know it's up to it's up to the people taking it but uh, you, you then do uh, a driving assessment and a, and a written assessment they're both relatively simple they're not they're, the, the written assessment is there to catch you out a little bit just to make sure you you, you you're still thinking because the rules in rallying are quite complicated with the timing and there are a lot more regulations in, in, in rallying to remember than racing. Okay. Racing, you've got your flags, but I think most people know what the flags mean. But uh, all the time controls and bits and pieces like that are quite complicated. And the stuff you've got to get o- give over, isn't it? It's information you have to give information at yeah, certain you, spots. And... You, ha- you have to know what's happening because if, if you're a co-driver for the first time and you've, you've sort of... Or, or you're a driver and, and your co-driver is inexperienced. Co-driver doesn't necessarily have to take any kind of test. So if you if you both don't know what you're doing, you're going to get really lost quite quickly <laughs> as to what which sheet goes where and who to give what to, and you, you, you'll you'll just annoy the, the the people working there. To be honest, the the, the volunteers. <laughs> I mean, they will help you, but you know they do. You are expected to have a level of competency, yeah. and, and that's what the test will 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 find out. And then the driving test really is. 
just doing what the instructor says. I mean, I've done plenty of these tests and, and you know, you, it's quite difficult to fail, really. We're, you, we're not expecting anyone to be the world's best driver just to be, you know, have a vague level of safety and understanding of how a car is controlled. Yeah, um, I was going to ask, is it is it um, proving car control and aptitude as far as that goes? Again, ignorance, but I would presume that's quite important. Yeah. Like, if, you don't if want, you you don't want drove... a loon just left, let loose on, on a stage no. that endangers people around no i mean i you know i have to sign the form off that says i believe that they're competent enough to compete so yeah. it doesn't mean they're quick enough it just means that they won't be a danger to themselves and, and and others but we i mean i always say that you know just once you've taken your test don't think that that's it you know if you don't have a lot of people don't have much rally experience before they take the test because it's you know you need to go to a rally school and and go there quite a lot yeah. to get the experience otherwise it's it's kind of quite new Whereas you can do track days quite easily hmm. uh, in your own car. Rallying is different. Although Anglesey have now set up a, a, a rally track day, which is really interesting and a great, great idea. So you can turn up in, in your car and, and do a track day, but on the rally stage. Oh, right. That'll probably be not long after the race remembrance, considering how much farming went on last <laughs> November. <laughs> it's probably, it's, oh, we've, we've just made this new route. <laughs> <laughs> but that's quite good. So that allows people to have a go on on actual stages yeah. but without without the sort of the competition side of things um, just to get used to it because it is very different often you're driving through cones or you know you, you've got to try and work out a route the route's not always as obvious as you might think it is because mm. it's not always just a narrow tarmac strip it could be concrete could be all sorts of things and when and when a lot of people think about rallying they do think about hurtling through a forest where there's trees and yeah. there is the track and you you are on the track or you are out of the race it's you know, yes. it's fairly yeah. easy you you don't get that wrong whereas when it's set up with cones on a large expanse of hard standing it's tricky to to spot these things that's when that's when your eyes are really really important because you it's really difficult not to think you've seen something that you might not have done if that makes sense so you, you end up thinking oh yeah no i know where i'm going now and it's not right mm. it's not it's not where you're going so you're working as a team there to, to work out where you were actually going but yeah, it doesn't happen too often. Uh, you, you, most most events that just run cones, are, are, they're 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 not loved because it's not it's not sort of proper rally. It's not seen as proper rallying. But I, I the circuit stuff that I do is is is, is great. It's really really good. And it you know you, you you are using tarmac, but you're running forwards and backwards and all over the place. So the first the first rally I did at uh, oh no not was it the first one, but I've one of the one of the first rallies I did at Cadwell. You you, you went down the mountain instead of going up it all right um in in the rain without abs which is quite interesting um understatement because it, it seems steep going up it but it's a lot steeper when you come down it because you can't see anything you can't see the track at all you just disappear off the end and, yeah. and it, it yeah that was quite Brave pills yeah it's great fun but you're, you're looking at the people watching at the same height as you across the other side of the track and they were watching you go go on go on go on get it get it a bit wrong get it a bit wrong like yeah. oh if they, wrong. if they start wincing then you know it's really bad <laughs> yeah well it, 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 it's but it's one of those things you just have to judge it on what you think it might be yeah you know i'm l lucky that i've been around cadwell load so i know where i know where the turn is at the bottom but you you, you can't see it mm. so it's completely blind but um yeah it, it's it's a great challenge that sort of thing how long did you keep the the compact and it was that the last car you rallied in or do you did you move on to yes uh no uh, unfortunately what, my dad's car he's he's got an, an e46 m3 uh, compact as well and he was having i can't remember what uh, engine problem or something like that so he 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 
borrowed it. I mean, it was both cars were his anyway, but he, he sort of borrowed the one that I used as a one-off uh, at Cadwell and uh, <laughs> wrote it off. Ooh. So he, yeah, he just he touched the white line in the wet and it was it was gone. It was running down the park straight backwards. You run the whole way down there flat out, and then it turns into sort of an uphill left-hander going around uh, Charlie's and then Coppice and yeah, just touched the white line and it just it, the wheels locked and just into the barrier and over like up and over the barrier and on its so I think it did one and a half rolls. Oh crikey! Is he all right? Yeah, both of them were fine. Was, they were absolutely fine, but uh, that was pretty much the end of that. But luckily the engine's okay. But, but I haven't I haven't uh, did I do one? We, yeah, we bought another one after that, but it was a two point eight litre compact, so a fair bit lighter in the, at the front, but yeah. not 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 as quick. And I, I did one rally in it, but it, it was one of those cars that with with one person in actually it's quite fast, but you put another person in it. <laughs> It kind of loses that. You, you know that everyone's had that feeling. You take someone out in the car and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's no, really fast." And then, you, you, well, it is when you're not in it. You know, it was that. It was like, oh, okay, this is a slight change in 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 speed." But it was that was a racing car, and it was just it was too stiff. You know, and drove it in heavy rain, and it didn't. It wasn't a lot of fun. But I've had a bad back since then, so I haven't. I've kind of had some time off and time away from it to, to try and recover from that, which I've failed miserably in doing. So. <laughs> So is that yeah. the point you moved into rally instructing, or were you doing that before? Yeah, I think I think I was actually instructing before, but yeah, I I sort of moved out of London to Northamptonshire, and I, I needed something to do, and and that was you know as I said, the rallying was the obvious choice, and I like teaching people how to do things. So I don't I don't think there's a better feeling in 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 having someone in the car who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing, who's never done it, and by the end of however long it is, whether it's half an hour or a day get them to do things they had no idea that, that they were capable of doing yeah and it's just great fun it's brilliant because they're you know they're smiling and giggling i'm smiling and giggling and we're just we're just doing big skids at it, you know on, on the gravel and it's great it's just there's no i don't think there's a better feeling than that to be honest so yeah i i really enjoyed it so i i went and um i, I worked for bill Gwynn rally school so i, st- I started there and, and and built up and then got my instructors well i got obviously got my instructor's license and then i got the top level instructor's license so i could pass people for their bars tests okay uh, which is the association of rally school uh, tests that you need for your license so yeah it's great fun absolutely brilliant doing your um the passing people on the bars stuff was has anything happened during that that you and i'm not trying to sort of say here here's dob people in or anything like that but was there any moments where you're sort of like oh okay perhaps not um could you just rein it down a bit please yeah there always is people get some people you know they're, they're not sure what to do some people go well if i if i drive slowly then i'll pass because i won't make a mistake hmm. which isn't the idea and also people then go i'm going to show i'm really going to show what, what i can do which is the other <laughs> side of this i don't want that either watch um, this because generally they, yeah they just go so far over the top that that it's it's not a good idea you don't you don't really want to be spinning around so no i i think with the actual licenses i think most people are quite well behaved you know they, they keep it sensible they're they're under a lot of pressure yeah because that's what i was going to ask is it is it nervousness or you know that the pressure they're I putting so. on themselves more than them being you know psychotic behind the wheel yeah yeah <laughs> i i think generally because we sort of go out and come back in and go back in you know and, and take it in stages to build up because if we just say right we're going out and and the next five minutes are all on the test they, they will drive terribly mm. so you, you some of them will have already done a morning which is always the best thing to do because they're already they know the car they've got everything sorted but if you you've got to try and relax them and so and, do you go out in that morning session with them 
or yes right so so you've had the chance to build the relationship with them get them yeah. relaxed with you because that's probably going to yeah. be part of what you have to do because uh, like with any driving in, in, instructor exactly uh, tester that you know the yeah. person's nervous at what's this one going to think of me who 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 liked their driving instructor when they did their driving <laughs> test on them? like everyone's petrified of them they're like a, they're, 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 they're sort of the horrible teacher that's i'm always sending mine a Christ, uh, christmas card every year no. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no i mean you know our job is to be is to be as nice as possible to them to, to make them relax because they won't get the best out of themselves and, and they won't do what they know they can do. But on, on the normal days, I mean, you know, it, it takes all sorts. You get all sorts of people who, you know, you've never driven a manual before or, you know, or, or we, we get kids who, you know, have obviously never driven a car before. So their first driving experience is a Mark to Escort on the gravel, which. Yeah, but the Xbox know. is perfect for. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, very, I'm very envious that I wish, you know. I wish my first driving experience was um, was that it was a Renault Clio van in the industrial state or something. <laughs> you know that'd be an excellent way to learn. But yeah, no, you know you 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 don't know who you're going to get. So you know sometimes we've had racers who race in Carrera Cup or Formula Three or you know all oh, sorts right, okay. of quality of drivers, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean they can do it. It means that they will listen. Mm. Generally, they will listen well, and they they will want to improve and improve and get better, which they which they do. But Everyone has that first sort of that first step when they're just like, oh yeah, you know, I know about cars, and it's like, okay, well, well, let's see how you get on, and and it it will always it that 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 sort of that will wash away really really quickly, and you you straight back to the bare bones of right, this is what we need to do. So yeah. they they will always go out and drive their way first, and then realise that this is, that might not necessarily be the best way, yeah. and then build up again from there. And and once you build them up, I mean, you know, they they get it really quickly. But as I say, you know, you get people who have won. European Championships, and you get people who have, have never driven a manual. Mm. So you, you've really got and everything in between. So it's really quite fun to work out. I think it takes about 15, 20 seconds to work out what you've got, and and you know how they how are they going to be. But it's great fun in trying to work out what their skill level is. And but often their skill level is actually much higher than they think it is. They just they just haven't thought about it, or you know they just don't don't have the experience to know what to do. They've not applied it in this in these circumstances. No, well my my favourite ever sort of session with that was it was an old lady. She was in her seventies. She was absolutely tiny, and she was I think she was with a daughter who'd been bought a present. So she was like, well I'll I'll come along and drive as well. And we we often run two cars at the same time. So halfway down the stage we'll start another car so we can just get more people through. Mm. My horror of being a really competitive person is I'd I'd never want to be overtaken by the other car. Yeah. You know, even though I'm not driving, I still I still I still can't. It's on you. It's on you, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I kind of um we went out the first time and she's you know, she's in little penny loafers and 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 just pressing it really gentle you know really smooth everything but but far too slow we were only doing 15 20 miles an hour if that and and there, there were there were there were no skids it wasn't moving about i sort of had to say you know we, we need to move on a bit. no smiles for the instructor at that point <laughs> well i just had you know just you know, gotta be nice and say look we, we need to speed up a bit otherwise you know you won't get that much out of the experience you, you if you if you if you use a bit more throttle and things you'll start finding out how the car really wants to drive and so we had a really good chat with her when we came back in. She had a cup of coffee, or I don't know what it was, but she came back out <laughs> and and drove like Ari Vassanen. And I was like, what did what did you have in your drink? She's like, oh, I just listened. And, and, and I was staggered. I mean, you know, this is an old lady who looked quite frail, who was who was just sideways and linking all the corners together. So and, and perfect handbrake turns and everything. And I just I was staggered. I just could not believe 
she'd gone from it was the same person that had gone from driving really really slowly to to suddenly just just being wild but like brilliant. yeah you, you need that though for your cv here's a, here's a video of the before and after look what i can do <laughs> just people wouldn't believe it honestly i just i couldn't believe it i was i was just laughing the whole time and i just said that's probably the most fun i've ever had in a car I mean, you know even with me driving it was, it was better than that because i just i just did not expect that at all so yeah it's, it's great and that's why i enjoy it because you just you don't know what you're going to get and um you know, often really surprises you for the for the for the better. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So I, I want to talk about Spinal Trap though. Yeah. When did you first get involved? When when did the uh, idea occur? Well, my my other half is is Natalie, and she she's uh, tetraplegic who races uh, a, a Cayman, and a, lo- a lot of other disabled people were seeing what she was doing and would send her messages going, oh, I'd love to have a go in your car, and you know all that sort of thing, and. Mm. and and it was very much a case of th- thanks, but that's obviously that's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> no, no chance uh, would I let you in this. And we just bought we we we'd done different track days in different cars, but they were quite expensive to run. And if you if you you know if you went off, you you're going to cry a lot. So we decided to buy a cheaper car to do track days in because we started doing quite a lot. Yeah. And so we actually through a friend we bought uh, a Golf GTI that had been fully prepared for track, not not racing because it didn't have a full cage, but. Yeah everything apart from that it was it was it was great race seats harnesses everything so we'd bought that to do track days in so both of us could drive it and it was it was already on hand controls because it was it was a paraplegic that owned it before so it was set up for him we didn't have to make any changes but it it was it was there and and it was sat we we needed to spend a bit of money getting it working properly because it was it it wasn't a bodge but there was a lot of different things on it that, that started not necessarily communicating to each other under the bonnet okay so we had to spend a lot of a lot of time and money getting that sorted and once we did we kind of one day just sort of looked at each other and went why, why don't we just let people drive this so we did it was just one of those things we kind of in one evening just talking over food i think it was we just kind of came up with the idea that we should we should let people drive the cars and we should run something that just get there are, there are enough people sort of commenting and saying i'd love to have a go that we thought well, we can make something out of this this there's something here mm. but we we didn't want to make any money out of it we just wanted people to have an experience yeah. that's that's what it was about so we we like between the service we, we paid for it for the first few months and we had quite a long waiting list all of a sudden and, and loads of people wanted to have a go and we, we we sort of just booked some track days and and we had people on the days and we you know we just started going from there really naturally everything was really natural but we sort of realized after after a while that we couldn't just keep affording to pay for this it wasn't going to work like that the money tree at the bottom of the garden wasn't forever giving yeah it, it, it can you know that, that sort of thing isn't cheap and no. it was great it, need, it needed that just to get going but after that it was it was very much a case of well you showed that the concept was viable at that point exactly yeah yeah it was it was it was there but we needed some money and so we obviously it was set up as a spinal track it was just set up as a community interest company so not not a limited company as such and not a charity it was sort of somewhere in the middle it's the sort of thing a village hall would be or, you know, that, that sort of oh, okay. thing, just yeah, yeah. A, a strange niche thing in the middle, uh, not for profit. And we, we never charge for it. So the idea is that it's it's free to all because there are lots of things, like lots of disabled drivers, you know, or, 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 or gen, in general, they, they might not have a huge amount of money. So mm. if you have a huge amount of money, you could probably already do it. Yeah. You know, you could already buy a car and go racing. And if you don't, then really it's quite limited because you can't just turn up to a circuit and hire a car like a lot of people could. If you're able-bodied, you could just, you know, you could rent any car and have yep. a go. 
but there aren't any hand-controlled cars to have a go in. And that's why so many people wanted to have a go, because they just couldn't do it. Mm. And normally, you know, the family car, whatever, isn't suitable. So, yeah, it went from there. And then we, we kind of, we, we had the, the, the chat again over food saying, if we don't get some some help to to sort of help cover the costs, then, you know, we're going to have to close this tomorrow. And it was at that point that um, someone got in touch and said, I'm really keen to help. You know, is, is there anything you need? And we said, well, we need insurance. You know, we need to we need to pay for the insurance and we need bits and pieces. And mm. and, and he said, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll cover that. That was that was the day we were going to have to, you know, to stop and, and, and it restarted again. And, you know, now we are a, a full charity. We've got, you know, trustees in place. And again, we've got a long waiting list. We've got a couple of cars. It's really gone remarkably well. You know, every, every time we've needed help without shouting help, it's just appeared. <laughs> it's just absolutely miraculous. You know, on, on the day of like, oh, we're having a bit of a wobble, what do we do? It's just someone's come out of the woodwork and said, yeah, look, I'll help you come and do this. And, and it's just, yeah, it, so it's grown absolutely organically. There's there's no, you know, it, we've never forced anything. It, we wanted it to, if it was going to work, it was going to work on its own. And that was it. We weren't going to keep throwing money at it. But now, I mean, our, our sponsorship with Stanley, uh, Stanley Black & Decker, sort of Stanley Tools is is incredible. They've been massively helpful and they've helped buy a new car, you know, and, all, and, and, and help runners. And it's just invaluable so we can keep going. Mm. So, yeah, it's been just you know when we got an email from stanley like it was the chief i think it was the chief marketing officer of stanley black and decker you just like oh yeah one of these emails you know yeah. send us your bank account and it's fine and i looked into it i was like oh this is actually real yeah. you know and then they wanted a meeting and it was like oh okay and and i think it was one of those things that, that finding other people believe in you more than you do you just you know you don't believe it you can't you can't believe it's happening but yeah you know the the faith they've got it. but it but it's also must be tricky when you're on the inside as well because you're so in in it that you don't you can't appreciate what others see from the outside. Exactly. I mean, obviously, Natalie can appreciate it from from a disabled point of view, um, and and she knows what driving gives her. Mm. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that you you know you you just got your head down, getting on with it. You're going, oh, where am I going to get the next money for the petrol? And then oh, yeah. we must remember to sort out the catering or something. And then you just you're just thinking details, details, details. You you can't. It's just yeah, natural. It's, you can't have a look from the outside. No, no, exactly. So you know, and, and always people are always nice. Going, oh, you know, it's great what you're doing and stuff. And it's, but you're like, yeah, thank you. But you always think people are just being nice, but actually, mm. people are being honest. Yes. So it just takes a while to get used to it. Um, yeah, plus, yeah, we're, no, we're been... terribly British, so we don't, it's not often there's a compliment gets thrown around. No, exactly. No, <laughs> no. And and I mean, our next thing, we've you know, we've, we've we're obviously keeping keeping going with the circuit side of things. But we wanted another challenge, uh, and again, this was because this, this wasn't enough. Is that what well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was you know, it's one of the you, you've got to keep moving. And we we discussed about what what we could do next, and and I obviously said, well, you know, you, to Natalie, you ought to do a rally. She was the first female tetraplegic in the world to get a racing license mm. and go racing. So I was like, why don't you just be the first to go rallying as well? And and you know she she enjoys going sideways and things but yeah. um obviously when you've got slicks on on the, on the track and you're racing it's not really the right place to be doing it suboptimal i believe is the phrase <laughs> yeah yeah we'd sort of we discussed it again over food everything seems to be done at the table and said you know we ought, we ought to do something about this it wouldn't it be great if you know you did a rally to prove you could do it and then we did a, some sort of rally school and and the next day we got contacted by uh, one of the trustees of the richard burns foundation 
saying, you know, we've we've seen your article in the MSA magazine. We really love what you're doing. We'd like a meeting. And it and it's gone from there for that to to funding buying two rally cars and starting a, a, a sort of a disabled rally school at, at Bill Gwynn's. That's awesome. It just you know that that was the next day. So it's everything we've discussed. The next day something's come out and and has just gone. Yep, that's going to happen now. And and with the with the the Richard Burns Foundation is is they've decided to close sort of close down just because it's been a long time since Richard died and and to try and stay to stay fresh they've they've decided to to call it a day mm. but they've you know they they've asked everyone that's helped Richard Burns Foundation to help Spinal Track and to carry on through Spinal Track which is just you know it's invaluable so we're really proud to be a part of that and and Richard was also an instructor at uh, Bill Gwynn's oh right okay when he was younger so there's the the, the links are just everywhere yeah it was just meant to be so we're they're actually the the, the building rally school is halfway through building the the cars um unfortunately bill died mid mid build so we're, we're just getting back on track mm-hmm. uh now to to get them finished and hopefully at the start of next year we can we can launch it so this will be adding hand controls uh yes and that sort of thing what what other adaptations are having to be made is, is there much actually no so we're building one full msa spec rally car and that has obviously the full cage and, yeah. and everything else but in in respect to driving it slightly differently on hand controls not not really much for the circuit we don't use like a trucker's knob on the wheel mm. because you don't need it but you will need it for the rally school so they'll oh, okay. there'll be something on the wheel whether it depending on and how much hand function you have it will depend on what control we have on it all right so you'll be able to swap those across and yeah you can have like a tuning fork where you put your hand in sort of straight and then use that and there's there's a few different different options available but yeah apart from that really not very much we've all all, all we really have is an electric thing that uh, electric motor that moves the seat forward and backwards because the runners are a bit stiff so you know that <laughs> Really, not not very much, but we're just building rally cars, which takes the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, very little really. There's it's an automatic box in a in a GT86, which is perfect for rallying because it doesn't really wear out as like a, a dual clutch wouldn't enjoy rallying on gravel <laughs> and the starts and and all that sort of stuff. But because there's no because of the the wet link between the sort of the dirty stuff and the gearbox, it it's it's fine and handbrake turns and things like that are fine. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt the gearbox. So yeah, we're looking. We're really looking forward to it. And they're they're a modern automatic gearbox as well, not an old-fashioned one. So yeah. you wouldn't. You, good, it's yeah. almost like a, a sort of a ten-year-old DSG. Yeah. You wouldn't know the difference between the two, really. Yeah. So yeah, we're very excited to do that. And um, obviously, have you got, got an get ETA the for that? Not not, not at yet. the moment. No, we did have. We were going to launch it this year, but but obviously um, with with Bill passing away, we've we've been delayed. So mm-hmm. we we don't know yet. We don't want to give a time until we absolutely know we can make it. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Nothing more disappointing than going. Uh, yeah, it's not happening now. <laughs> so yeah, we when we know, we will know. We'll put it out there, and um, yeah, it's very exciting. Well, when we see it, we'll we'll obviously uh, tweet and shout about it as well. So that'll be that'll be cool. So what? typically happens in a in the track spinal track day um it's 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 a relatively simple day really um we have we have two drivers split between morning and afternoon so we have one driver in the morning and one in the afternoon Mm -hmm. it just means we can spend all our time with the driver and you get the equivalent of a day's worth of of track driving in the morning and the equivalent of it in the afternoon because you're not sharing with anybody so you're going out and doing sort of four or five 
sessions and we, there's always an instructor in the car this is in the golf gti always an instructor in the car and you go out learn, learn the track a bit get the basics of track driving and by the time of the end of the experience they're getting you know they're starting to push on and um it's just at that point you say okay well that's you know that's the end of it and um if you want to do more obviously we'll help you and we'll give you guidance if you want to buy a car or do whatever you want to do we'll we'll obviously help mm. but you can do it now in your car <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's always the case it's just as soon as it starts getting a bit fruity it's like yeah okay you know that's that's where it, that's where we get to so. our job is done now <laughs> yeah it, exactly you, you've given the experience you've given them the opportunity to experience something they wouldn't have done otherwise e- exactly and 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 you know it's not about necessarily liking cars we've got lots of people who've done it who who've no real interest in 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 cars at all really or you know circuit driver or anything but it's something it's on the bucket list it's just something to do and and you you couldn't really do it before so it's a great opportunity to have a go at something just to prove you can do it because yeah we always find that if you, if it's an injury that you're in a chair you know or you've been if, if you've been injured all you're ever told is stuff you'll never do again and really you should be told about stuff you'll do yeah so you know you come out of hostel going well i'm never going to do this again i'm never going to do that and it's not really great for your your state of mind so our, our tagline is anything is possible because mm-hmm. it is you know just because someone says you can't do it doesn't mean you know it's true well as natalie as natalie <laughs> has made clear yeah. when when i was talking to her that's yeah. that's the red rag to the bull at that point don't yeah. say you can't do it <laughs> well she she's a brilliant example of someone who will be told something and go yeah in, in your opinion yeah don't, don't judge me by everybody else hmm. but a, but a lot of people if they're in a you know in a, in a weak state of mind and in a dark place and they're told this they'll believe it yeah and and it just makes it worse and you know uh, it, you, you need to be exposed to things that you can do and, and just prove that you know when you're in a car or on a track no one knows that you know you're you're a disabled driver that you're driving with hand controls no one cares you're just a you're just a person with a helmet in a car yeah and and that's the whole idea is that you just you know you disappear and you, you're no longer that you know person in a chair or whatever whatever people might think you just whatever label that you know you've possibly yeah. given yourself yeah thanks to what other people perceive you you see that people perceive you uh, yeah. and as much as anything it it may not be cars or is the thing that they move on to next but it's the fact that they've done something they didn't realize they could so now you've just opened their eyes to the possibilities yeah so like a, a lot of our people place a lot of our beneficiaries play sports because that's the greatest way to get back in and, and meet you know similarly injured people mm-hmm. perhaps and 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 find out how to how to live better and how to do more things and how to you know how to live more efficiently i think it's really the probably the easiest thing to say so uh, a lot of them are strong and they've you know they, they know what they can do but a lot of people who don't play sport and are not aware of their physical capabilities or their mental capabilities so it's really important just to show them as you say that you know just just go and have a go you know oh, it might be rubbish it doesn't matter it's not it's not about being the world's fastest driver it's about going out there and just proving to yourself that that you're, you're capable of amazing things because it driving quickly on a race circuit is an incredible experience mm. and it's difficult not to be moved by it when you see you know i've we, we had a guy who was uh, from the isle of wight and he he was injured at the same age as Nat, so 16. So he hadn't driven a car before before his injury. And he was a, a member of the advanced drivers and, and really liked his driving, but just couldn't find anywhere to really do it. And living yeah. on the Isle of Wight obviously doesn't massively help. No, um, I can imagine. It, certain water barrier to get to things quickly and I, I wasn't instructing that day and I, I, I was just stood on the on the, the pit wall with his dad and 
his dad turned around and as his as his son went by and, and he was crying and and i was like don't don't you bloody start because <laughs> you know it's just incredibly moving to see what it means because it's not just about the person who's injured it's or you know the person with a disability it's about the family as well yeah and seeing what it meant to his dad was yeah it was it was you know i had to look away i was like oh it's a bit windy yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All, that, all that dust blowing around here is it's quite difficult and and, and you know that that's why we do it because it just you know we get used to this and you get used to driving around and having fun and not everyone has as much fun and is able to do it so to give people the experience of it whether they ever want to do it again that's that's up to them yeah. but you know in their own car or however they want to do it but it, just giving them the experience is is enough to to sort of just shake them a little bit and say look you know don't believe that you can't do things because you yeah. definitely can there are possibilities. Yeah. Well, I think I'd like to move on to the quickfire questions, if that's okay. Yeah. And these are the ones I ask at the end of every chat. Uh, and I'm going to start off with what currently excites you about the motoring world? There's there's very little at the moment, I must admit. It's all a bit <laughs> doom and gloom. But I, I think I think a couple of cars, like the, the new Alpine, I think going lightweight, finding that making cars that a small family car at 1,900 kilos is not really an option anymore. So trying to take go back to lightweight of the sort of the, the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, where you could, uh, I think I, I saw the other day that Peugeot 405 MI16, which was a four-door family car, weighed 1,100 kilos. Yeah. It didn't need a lot of power because it didn't, have, it didn't weigh anything. Yeah. Whereas now a modern M3 is sort of 1,800 kilos or something silly. And it, it just, you've got to get back to the lightweight. And that's what the Alpine and a few of the cars are doing. They're starting to to go back to basics again. Yeah, which is what I, like. I think manufacturers are going to need to get much more clever with materials yep. and, uh, and getting the cost of, say, carbon fibre and things like that down it must, is a must because we need, we need lightness for efficiency as well and, yes. and to reduce yeah, exactly. emissions and everything like that. So it's, it's not just to make cars fun again. Uh, and and have a bit of personality but they need it they've, they've damaged themselves by saying okay we need all this safety equipment and we need this and then we need in order to you know the car gets heavier so the car gets less efficient so they then say right you need all of this which then weighs more mm. and then they it just it's just self-feeding you end up you'll end up with a two-ton car eventually that's you know a little family car it's stupid yeah so yeah get right back to basics change of materials as you say and 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 yeah like a focus on weight is is the main thing okay then what currently worries you about the motoring world <laughs> I, I think i think for me it's it's kind of I, I probably everyone says electric vehicles but i just think that i think obviously the taxation of certain cars and uh, as driven car like, driven owners and business owners to buy diesels as as company cars and then they suddenly change it and say diesel's the devil which i just i just you know really struggle with things like that so i, th- I think the the worry is short a short view on things so going well electric that's that's great because it's really good for the environment well well it's it's not really and people obviously come into this and i think electric cars won't last very long we had them 100 and something years ago you know they didn't they didn't last very long then so i i just think things like that will We'll move on fairly quickly, but we obviously we need to work on what may actually be a long-term view. Yeah. Uh, petrol's worked for a long, long time, and and so is diesel to some extent. And we've got to find something else that will last a hundred years that will not endanger the planet and us, I guess, as humans. Yeah, that if we could have some, uh, we if we could stop the knee-jerk reactions, yeah, which we then regret fifteen years later, yeah, that would be kind of good. 
we've, we haven't we clearly haven't learned from diesel no. and then we started on electric and i think now they've the government have just stopped the the, the the sort of the free money or whatever they were giving towards electric vehicles or certain types of electric vehicles which everyone you know has kept the cost down so i think that's the first the first hammer in the coffin to be honest because people will buy elsewhere yeah. it's about money it's not about when it comes down to it seeing to be green is great but if it costs you loads more money you won't do it really well that's it people will say oh the environment's a major factor yeah but that's going to cost you 200 pound more a month well i'm not that bothered yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah, just the, it's just the natural reaction of most people exactly rich people have been buying teslas because they can mm. but the average family can't afford anything like that and and unless it's financially viable for them they won't do it no, no. um and it's we're nowhere near that yet no, I agree. Okay, then, what has been your favourite car to drive and why? Ooh, um, now, I'm not uh, imagining you've had quite a few cars. I have Not just on track. Terrible. No, most of them are terrible. That's the best bit. <laughs> I think probably um, the first 205 I bought, which was sort of stripped out with full cage and it was basically a racing car for the road. I think that was it. I just, that was the first car I'd sort of, I could afford as a second car. Uh, it cost a few thousand pounds in those days, and and I just, it was great. I, I would drive to track days, do a track day, go home, park it up somewhere, leave it, come back to it. I used it for a, an everyday car for six months when the company car engine exploded somehow, and it was great. It just, it was perfect. It was just everything I really wanted, and and it would slide about, it would oversteer a bit, and it was quick enough to have fun. Was it even more special for you because of the day job was not fulfilling you, shall we say? I guess. And, and I guess this was a this was a linked fun out. and enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was a way of just. It it wasn't a you know it was it was road legal obviously but as soon as you sit in a car with with race harnesses and and seats and and a cage things slightly change. <laughs> Your honour. <laughs> You've got some sticky tyres. Yeah, you know, you're no longer just having a car just driving around. It's a full experience. Yeah. Yeah, so that, it was just great. It was just, I could just disappear for a bit in that and have some fun. Um, but it did so many track days and it just would not die. I could, I could not kill that car. It was amazing. <laughs> cool. So, so then what's been your least favourite car to drive and why was that? I think that was, um, unfortunately, I do, I do like my Volvos and I've liked them when they were uncool as well. Now, now Volvo, everyone wants to be seen to like Volvos, I know, but I've liked I them. Know. I, had an, I had an old S60. I, I'm, mm. I was happy with that. I'm very happy with that until the lady wrote it off parked outside my house. <laughs> well, I, I, have a, I had an S60 and I had an S80 and I think that was probably the worst thing ever. I... I bought it because the the new job I had uh, wasn't going to come with a company car, mm. and I was told I'd be doing you know before when I'd been working doing that I'd done thirty thousand miles a year, so I had an S sixty that, and it was perfect. It was a big armchair, yep. just up and down. You know, it was a D five, so it's five cylinder as well. So I got a bit of bit of noise. I like that, and so I bought this S eighty. It was awful. It was sort of almost gold with white <laughs> like a, a white interior. That smelled of cigarettes. It was awful. I don't know why I bought it. It was just the moment of like sheer panic of like I need a car in two weeks. What do I buy? So it did have you know it had com- uh, cooling seats and heated seats and and all that sort of thing. But it oh, it was awful. And it turned I I barely ever left the office. So oh. my commute, which was on one of the best roads like all over sort of Buckingham uh, Buckinghamshire, um, I had to do in a big wallowy bus. Mm, yes but if eventually the smell of smoke disappeared and and urine appeared 
So hiding, hiding the smell of that was the smoke. So I was, suddenly I was like, oh no, no, this is terrible. And obviously I lost all my money on it. Yeah, regretted that. But it was just terrible to drive. It was just, it was too big. It was awful. It was made it for was the always motorway. On... Yeah, yeah, and I never used the motorway. So oh, um, never got to benefit. Okay, then uh, what car would you like to own next? Well, yeah, that's that's a long list. And this can be fantasy or realistic, by the way. Well, no, I'm always realistic. There's no point going mad. I, 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 but I like, I like crappy cars. I just, I just do. I just, there's something about them. So I, you know, I, 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 I like another 205. I've got two already, but. I <laughs> That's just being greedy now. Yeah, I know, I know. But it was sort of a hill climb sprint car with ridiculous horsepower. And I just thought it, was, it would have a use, but realistically. I'd, it wouldn't have a use. I am sure that there is milk that needs to be bought now and again. There, yeah, there is, but I've got I've got my two or five money for that. So, so ah, okay, that's fair. Be sensible. Um, I don't know. I looked at a Land Rover the other day. Really quite like one of those, but it was an old 1959 with a V8 in it. But it won't fit in the garage. It's too it's too tall. So that was. Is a this shame. your new garage? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't think about the height particularly. Um, so I've, I've always fancied an Opel Manta. Oh yeah. Weirdly. Um, I think because I used to see them rallying as a kid. Rally, yes, because that's where I first noticed them watching yeah. rallying when it was on the telly. Yeah, I just so thought I'm, they were I'm, so cool. But I, I've, I'm I'm terrible. I get all these auction catalogues and I, I look at every single one and ra- rather than thinking, no, obviously not that, not that. I think, well, if that I put a tag on that and if that, I'll have a little depending on how much that's going for. And well, I don't need it. I don't need it. But I just there are just some cars that I just think I'd quite like to own. Mm. You know, put them away like this Land Rover. Just you know, for winter, if it's a bad winter, you just go anywhere in it. I mean, yeah. slowly and you freeze to death, but you'll you'll get there. Whereas risking a you know expensive four by four or something isn't it, it's capable, but you don't want someone to hit you. Yeah, that's I'd rather try something quite cheap. Um, <laughs> something a bit knackered that it doesn't matter if there's a few yeah, prangs it, and dings exactly. in it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. like so you can take it to the uh, supermarket car park because people seem incapable of opening doors these days. Well, yeah, well the joys of you know we get a blue badge, so you get the, you get a nice wide space, so I don't <laughs> don't have to worry about that anymore. Not <laughs> so worried. Okay, uh, what is your favourite road to drive on? Now there's a question. I've always this is a weird one for me, but from when I lived at home, it's the only like my parents moved in there when they got married and that they still live there. And for me, it's the last few miles home. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, it's just sentimental rubbish, but just, you know, I, it, it always takes back memories of when I was a kid. So I just, you know, the last few miles of that are my favourite miles, really. Yeah. I've driven some cool roads, and amazing one through Spain down to Portugal, right down south, drove all the way down to the Algarve, and it was amazing, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, just the last few miles home. What is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience? Now, this is going to upset some people, but I'm, I'm fine with that. The radar-guided cruise control. Okay, why? I can't stand it. I had it on a previous car, and it's not a human. It doesn't. It, it breaks as though it's never driven a car before. And I, I always think if you touch the brakes, you've failed in anything. If you've, you've misjudged it and you've got it wrong, so you need to touch the brakes. So <laughs> on a motorway, I, just the idea of even having a brake light on is is horrifying to me. So So just to put it on cruise control and just act like latch onto a car in front and let the car do it. No, I hate it. I like cruise control, but the, the guided thing is, is awful. There are some radar cruise controls which are less capable than others. 
but it doesn't mean I like them. No, no, no. I, I no, I understand that, but I know completely what you're saying. I mean, I had a yeah. I had a press car uh, the other day, and I was going around. Uh, this isn't using the um, uh, the radar cruise control. This was just automatic emergency braking. But I was going around a, a narrow road with a car parked, and I knew what I was going to do. But the car suddenly started shouting at me to be careful and brake. Yeah, because it was. It's what we were saying before about it's looking at the short term. It's not able to understand the context. No, I, I found that cars cars that can't use motorways properly, which is about 99%. Oh, yeah, don't get me started. People would, <laughs> if, if the car in front of you moved off to a junction, as soon as, as they, they would lift off or brake before they got to the line, before they disappeared down that lane, they were already slowing down. So whereas you wouldn't do anything, you'd carry on, and you know they're going to be gone. It, it still looked at that car mm. and then the car would break and, and it would suddenly break you. And you're like, it's not even on the same road. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's gone. I just, no, I don't, I don't like it. You should drive for yourself. You either do nothing or all of it, but somewhere in between is just stupid. Nope. I agree. I agree. Okay. Then who is the next person you think I should talk to? Oh, blimey. There's a question. I'm trying to think of someone that you haven't spoken to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know that. I'd, I'd probably say something like the um, the Minister for Transport, because oh dear. they they actually I know you wouldn't like that at no. all, but, uh, and they would give you stupid answers saying, "Oh no, I love the Rolling Stones. I love them." <laughs> it, I, I think I think to just get an idea of what they know and where they want things to go. I know that they're not they don't make the rules up necessarily, but mm. to get an idea of what they're what they're what their plan is because they, they often don't seem to know very much well that's that's actually a really i mean much as i'm cringing here at this end i think that's a really, that's a really interesting point uh you you make a you make a good you make it that's the first time we've had a politician suggest yeah sorry about that um no it's okay it's okay <laughs> i may put that i may put the current transport minister a bit lower down on my badgering list though okay. but it's on there it'll be on there <laughs> okay then um before i say goodbye to you what are the best ways for people to follow what you're doing get in touch uh maybe give spinal track a shout to see if they if there, anybody out there can help and support in whatever way they can what what are the best ways to do that on twitter spinal track is at spinal underscore track on instagram i think it's just at spinal track and on facebook again it's you'll find it on on, on spinal track and for me, which is obviously slightly less important, on on Twitter it's Bayless Rally, and I've got two S's. And on Instagram it's a bay a bay picks, so it's like a b a y picks. Just I don't know why, but it is. Um... Uh, and I'll put in links to uh, Spinal Track website as well. Brilliant. Yeah, it's spi- it's spinaltrack.org, but we're 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 soon to have a very new uh, sort of spangly website, which we're sorting out at the moment. So it's the the current one's a bit outdated, but. Um, we're, we're purely because we're, we're spending all our time doing getting the new one up and running so excellent well thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak to me i've, right. I've enjoyed this i could have talked to you for hours um particularly asking rallying techniques because it's something that fascinates <laughs> me but it's something i've never done uh well, you know what cool is don't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, and best of luck with everything that uh, you do with Spinal Track. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. If you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearViewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers. 
To get in touch with me directly, if you search for Crap Windscreen on Twitter, you'll find me there. And if you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions, car reviews, try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. If you think what we do here on Rearview and the Motoring Podcast is worth some of your money, please do investigate supporting us in our efforts by going to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support and click on the Become a Patreon button. I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about this show. I think the guests who come on here have great stories and I want as many people as possible to hear them. So until next time, that was Andrew Bayliss, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.